We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Hour two, day two of all new pre-recorded content while we're away here for the next couple weeks. In this hour, you will find a visit from Robert Moss, robertfmoss.com, the former author of the Q Sheet, which seems to have been, as you will find out in the interview behind me, a pandemic I have time on my hands creation, and then once the pandemic cleared off, so did the cue sheet. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Meathead yesterday. Hopefully that answered all your questions about where his book writing career is at the moment and why the delay of almost two years on that second book. Hopefully, Sam, the cooking guy, if you're listening, that answered your questions that you had. Maybe it created even more questions. Who knows? But we are ready to go with Robert Moss, so we will have him here in just one second. Once again, these are pre-recorded, but all new content segments. So if you're wondering, this is not live. We did not do it live. Andrew, you are not the <laughs> But we did record them live. We'll do it live. No, we recorded them live, Bill. We'll do it live. I know you want to do it live, but we just recorded them live. So the content is new, the guests are familiar, and the entertainment and education hopes to remain at the top priority of everything that's going on here in the show. Before we get to Robert Moss, I want to talk to you about Noah Glanville, Amber Glanville, and the whole gang over there at Pit Barrel Cookers. Three different sizes to choose from the Junior, the flagship size that was originally launched, and then the PBX, or the Pit Barrel Extra Large. I think if you scour the internet, you might you might ought to be able to find some deals on the PBX if you're in the market. Big, big cook. Almost commercial grade in its size. It's got a host of accessories to complete the Pit Barrel cooking experience. And it doesn't matter if you're just getting into the live fire deal in the backyard, competitions, or business, or if you're a seasoned, grizzled, and jaded veteran of the live fire. Pit Barrel is the brand and the cooker that you could trust because it's simple. It's easy to use. You don't have to worry about temperature and intakes and outtakes. Just get the thing fired up, slam on the lid, hang your meat, away you go. Does it cook a little hotter than most cookers? Yes. Does it take less time than most cookers to cook? Yes. Is it delicious? Above all else, yes. PitBarrelCooker.com is the website. Once again, that's PitBarrelCooker.com. And if you order online in the comments section, just put Heard About You on the Barbecue Central Show. Do me a favor by doing them thing. As I ask all the time, the best way to support the show is by supporting the sponsors, and I only ask that you give them first consideration if you're in the market and if you're in the market for looking at a barrel cooker. Please check out Pit Barrel Cooker. Again, pitbarrelcooker.com. And you will hear Robert Moss coming up after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Oh, 
Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Craig Renfe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. My next guest is a contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, an accomplished author, also a restaurant critic, and something new that we'll be talking about as well this evening. We are happy to welcome back our pal Robert Moss from robertfmoss.com. Hey, Robert. Hey, Greg. How's it going? I am fabulous. Appreciate you joining me, as always, here for our monthly segments. Um, Little quick news, as I just mentioned a couple seconds ago, uh, The Critic, a book author, one of the most revered barbecue uh, research knowledgeable folks uh, that you can get across the industry. But we're adding something a little bit new to the mix. What's up? Yeah, so I'm uh, delving, I would say delving back into back into podcasting because I used to have a podcast years ago, um, but I've got a new one I'm launching. Um, and this one, not not strictly barbecue. It's actually um, connected to my restaurant reviewing and some of the other work I do for the Post and Courier, which is the daily newspaper here in Charleston. And we've launched a new podcast called The Charleston Menu uh, with uh, it's me and the uh, food editor Parker Milner are the co-hosts. And we're, you know, it's coming out about once once a month right now. But we talk about the food scene in Charleston, but also around the South. Um, again, focus on a, a much broader category than just barbecue. But right, you know, if you're talking about food in the South, it's, there's a lot of barbecue popping up. In fact, our second episode uh, we have on is and we have guests every episode. We have um, Corey and Shui Wong who are opening a very interesting barbecue restaurant here in Charleston called King Barbecue, which is sort of a Chinese American barbecue slash. Eastern or, West, or Piedmont, North Carolina barbecue fusion. So they're on and talk about that, which is pretty interesting. So I just want to give folks that shout uh, that shout out there. It's uh, Charleston Menu. You can find it anywhere that you get your podcasts. What was the first podcast you did? Uh, it was with the Post and Courier as well a while back, oh. um, back pre-pandemic. Uh, it was a, a similar podcast. We talked about Charleston food, and you know, that ran for a couple of years up until 2019 when uh, we sort of took a little break, and then but we're back with it again. Is the Post and Courier commissioning you to do this, or have you and Parker decided you want to do it and you're going to release it through Post and Courier? Uh, it's it's under the Post and Courier label. Um, we have ads running that the Post and Courier sells, mm-hmm. so it is it's part of the Post and Courier brand, and it's it's tied in because I'm their contributing restaurant critic, and uh, so it's sort of tied into the work that I do there. But it's interesting; you have just different audiences. You know, some people read the daily paper, some people get in, in print still. A lot of people read online, but other people like to listen uh, to to the the conversation. So we're we're trying to hit all the all the angles and you know, the multimedia experience, if you will. You were producing the cue sheet that was fabulous and then it burned up are you, do you fear that you could succumb to pod fade uh, i mean you're hot and heavy uh, back into it now but could it wane in six months i i don't i don't think so um it, it, it could and, you know the, the previous one literally did for several you know three four years um and so I, i'm hoping it will stick around it is tied in with the other work i'm doing it's actually part of the i'm also writing a um 
a monthly email or newsletter column for them that goes out in their subscriber only newsletter. So it's sort of tied into everything that's going on with the food world there uh, here in Charleston. Um, so I think it'll have a little more legs. Problem with the Q sheet is was just you know it was free, um, and I thought about trying to do a subscription and all that, but just it it I didn't you know I couldn't get the. It's sort of like if you're going to charge for something, you've got to make it really good. And you know, if it's free, you can do whatever the heck you want because you know I'll give you your money back if you don't if you don't like it. Uh, and it just it as I started doing more things, it took up more and more time. And I sort of realized the Q sheet was a pandemic era thing. You know, 2020, 2021, I had a lot of time on my hands. I wasn't traveling, and all of a sudden, I was back out on the road again. And it became a lot of work to get one out. So it went from monthly to bi-monthly to whatever got to it until it's yeah, it may come out again. I still have the list somewhere, but we'll see. The barbecue restaurant that you had mentioned a couple minutes ago that was bringing uh, kind of uh, an amalgamation of uh, different points of uh, the Carolinas and then an an Asian aspect as well. Is that something you see as a trend in the live fire community, not just um, from an Asian sense, but more Tex-Mex or wherever the more local regional styles or perhaps it's a heritage that the operator is bringing in is now going to start mixing that into the live fire aspect? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that restaurant, it's called King Barbecue. So King BBQ. Um, and it, they're like any restaurant it takes a long time. They've been doing pop ups and they have another restaurant. So they've been doing pop ups within their their restaurant, which is called Jackrabbit Philly. Uh, but I'm hopefully last I heard into the summer, they're, they're hoping to open up. I actually have coming out in about in a couple of weeks, an article for Charleston Magazine, which is the uh, sort of the um, sort of the entertainment magazine here in Charleston, where I, I also interviewed the same folks, but a couple of others, and really do talk about the trend I'm seeing here in Charleston, which is you have this new generation of barbecue cooks. About 10 years ago, we had Rodney Scott open up his place here. We had John Lewis come from Austin and open up a wonderful Texas brisket joint. We have the home team guy, Swig and Swine. Um, a whole, you know, we, we had sort of this renaissance of barbecue in Charleston. I really feel like we're in like a, this third wave with, with this new generation. So Corey and Shuai are one. And, and Shuai actually was born in, in Beijing, but raised in Flushing uh, in, in Queens and grew up eating in all the Chinatown, you know, sort of Chinese barbecue joints and fell in love with that. And um, I also interviewed for that piece, uh, Hector Garate, who uh, is running a operation called Palmyra Barbecue, which is opening literally any day. They've been, they've been doing uh, pop-ups for a long while and had a food hall place for a while. And he finally has his own brick and mortar coming. He's actually Puerto Rican. And so he is cooking Sacramento style, whole hog barbecue, hash and rice that he makes with real whole hog heads, mm. but then doing lots of interesting Puerto Rican flavors. Like he's doing these wonderful sausages that have all these Caribbean flavors. Again, that was him sort of taking the traditional styles that he learned here in South Carolina, but taking his grandmother's recipes and rolling it in there. And John Lewis, um, you know, he decided not to open a second Lewis barbecue in Charleston. Instead, he opened uh, Rancho Lewis, which is his homage to El Paso, which is where he grew up. He actually grew up in, in you know, I think we talked about El Paso the last time I was on, you know, in that place you can't get to in, in very far west Texas. Yeah. Uh, he learned the Central Texas style of barbecue, but now Rancho Lewis, he's actually doing much more the El Paso style, which is like these beef back ribs, not the plate ribs, but the, the back ribs. He's doing them hot and fast over direct heat, over mesquite. Uh, and making lots of things with hatch chilies and, and all this kind of stuff. And he's intentionally going back to the kind of barbecue he grew up eating in, in El Paso uh, and m- sort of merging that. So I think that is a trend that you're seeing because at a certain point, everybody learned how to do brisket. Everybody learned how to make sausage. Everybody learned how to make ribs. It's time to do something different. 
And um, I think beginning to put that more personal spin on it gives the people a way to stand out. In fact, that's on the podcast with, with Shwai, if, if you listen to it, he talks about how originally their plan was to do Piedmont, North Carolina style barbecue because their pit master who's worked with them for a long while actually grew up around in the Lexington area and knew that. And then they, and they were going to do it with like a little Chinese twist, but then they realized, well, this is basically what everybody's doing around here. We need to do something totally different. So they went the different direction and started with their inspiration of these sort of flushing uh, Chinese American barbecue spots and then put a little Southern barbecue spin on that instead of the other, other way around. And I've eaten a, a, at several of the pop-ups and it's really fantastic stuff. Is it a bigger risk for these operators to go from pop-up or ghost kitchen food hall, um, for instance, to a traditional brick and mortar? And can they, can you make a a decent living? I mean, I'm asking like maybe you've asked them uh, and I guess that's what my hope is, but can you make a decent living being the pop-up cook or the ghost kitchen cook, or ultimately do you need to be in a brick and mortar in order to exist? And if I might expound even more on that question, I recall specifically Rodney Scott on uh, Chef's Table Barbecue Edition mm-hmm. talking about when uh, Scott's had burned down. He went on this big barbecue tour of pop-ups and generated a ridiculous amount of money for the amount of pop-ups that he did. I don't know if it was like a dozen or 18, and he had generated like eighty or $90,000. And I said, Rodney, why would you even bother trying to go open another restaurant, like do 20 of these a year and live like a king? Well, I think that Rodney is called. Actually, it was called Rodney in Exile. I think the tour. Was yeah, called. right, right. That was a that's definitely an, a, an outlier. First of all, he was already well known uh, before he embarked on these. His pit house burned down, and they got a ton of press, so everybody saw that. And going to the pop up was, in many ways, a way to support Rodney. And uh, see, he had the Southern Foodways Alliance and the Fatback Collective, Nick Piakis, and all those guys behind them with their, you know social media push and everything else. And so they were able to generate a lot of traffic. So I doubt that I could just hit the road with Robert Moss's pop-up and generate, you know, $80,000, $90,000 at a a pop. And I think I did actually talk a lot um, uh, on the podcast that that, um, that we're launching. The very first episode we recorded at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, we had a bunch of of chefs come in and we had a session with two pop-up chefs who were in the process of moving and transitioning, opening a a brick and mortar. In fact, one of them, uh, a guy named Nico uh, Calligan, just announced today that he's officially opening his brick and mortar in downtown Charleston. Mm. He's been doing a pop-up for a long while. I think the pop-up is always a, a stepping stone to something else. And we really, and if you want to get the details, go listen to the first episode of Charleston Menu. They really go into the, the depths of it. Sam uh, Sam Four is the other person who joined us who runs a, a pop well a pop up called Tuck Tuck in Louisville, Kentucky. It's um, and she's about to open a, a brick and mortar as well. Hmm. They talk about you know doing all the prep, putting it, loading in your car, driving with a, a deep fryer with hot oil in the back seat, very slowly around corners and and everything else. And it's really not a it's a hard way to make a sustainable sustainable living. It's a way that lets people, you know, chefs sort of get a, who want to own their restaurant, get a foot into it and get started, start building a a following, do it with very little upfront expense, unlike building Mm -hmm. a brick and mortar. Um, But it's, I don't think it's a a sustainable lifestyle for, for terribly long. Um, I don't think, I think you can make a little money and support yourself, but you, you bust your ass doing it. And there's just no, 
no way to get get a, you know get that long term. One thing interesting in talking with a lot of these guys is I used to have this figure in my head of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is what it would cost to launch a new restaurant, like a, a barbecue restaurant. You know, not a super fancy high end, but just a you know brick and mortar place, et cetera. But uh, in in recent conversations, I think it's now seven figures. I think you look at it closer to a million dollars just to get the lights turned on and the construction and everything else. So, um, so I guess <laughs> circle back around to your question. I, I don't think the pop up is a, a. I don't know anyone who has started doing pop ups and said this is just life for me and I'm making so much money I couldn't conceive of, of doing a brick and mortar. Almost everyone's trying to do a brick and mortar. The food hall is often looked at as a stepping stone to that brick and mortar. Uh, in fact, the uh, Hector Garate, who I was talking about from Palmyra, he started with a pop-up. He landed a place in a food hall called Portacall, right downtown Charleston. It was And uh, actually, I re- reviewed it for the Post and Courier. Fantastic. I gave it a, a really great review. <laughs> but after a year, when his lease was up, he decided not to renew it because it's just not, it, it was not possible for him to build a long-term business. And there's lots of reasons we can talk about there. But ultimately, his goal has been to get to a, to a brick and mortar. So I think the I think it's a stepping stone. It's not a, a long-term, a long-term uh, model for most people. But if you had a name like Rodney Scott or some other big name in the industry, there's somebody I'm thinking of right off uh, as I'm asking you this, but I'm not going to say them by name, but they're West Coast and they seem to be doing quite a robust business of pop-ups where they're at some place for a week or two or maybe a month. And then all of a sudden he's talking about going somewhere else and starting to promote that. It's all high-end barbecue stuff or steaks, you know, what have you. Had, had a brick and mortar place out in LA that went by the wayside. Now he's back into pop-ups. Do you think he's, you know, that that would be a setup for a new brick and mortar opportunity, or maybe some people can get away with doing the pop-ups because of the brand and the name they've built. Yeah. I don't know. I think it may be less pop-ups. I think you can make uh, a, a really good living out of doing itinerary, itinerant cooking, but it's more doing pop-ups for sp- special events, special occasions. And really, if you want to make money in, in, in this business, a lot of people are making money from corporate type mm-hmm. engagements, you know, uh, or, you know, you know, being invited to do big parties for people, uh, you know, very, very special events. And I know a lot of chefs in Charleston who were well-known chefs and they have since sort of don't have a restaurant anymore. They do, they are private chefs. And they, they not private chefs in the sense that they just go work for one or two people, but they get hired to do big functions, corporate functions. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to have a big wedding. You want a top name chef. I think I think there's an avenue for that. I don't know. I know a few barbecue folks who do that. Those tend to be special events they do that are a nice little side income. But I can see how somebody might very well once you get a name out there, and especially if you have a good events person, promote you know, mm-hmm. promotion person who can can land you gigs that you could do a really good business doing that. I think just doing a pop-up over the bar where you set up the tent and the table and you're selling, you know, barbecue for 20 bucks or so uh, a pop, you know, I don't think that's ever going to be anything more than just a way to, you know, pay the bills while you're, you're, you're getting running. Last time you were on, we had talked about some pretty crappy top 10 lists, clickbait, if you will. So you jump in, you realize, (laughs) well, this person just went to, TripAdvisor and took the first 10 listed and put that out as a list. Do you think AI could do a better job at putting together these lists? 
Well, I've been thinking about that a lot because I used to, you know, I, I'm going to, I, I got to get over the top 10 lists and the, and the, the people who are writing them from their desks and never, never leave. But um, yeah, I actually have been thinking a lot about chat GPT and other generative AI that's generating text. And, you know, is it going to, you know, what, what's the real value? What can it do? And I'm like, well, maybe the AI could do actually do what these people are doing. Cause you know, what they're doing is they're taking other people's work and digesting it and putting their own spin on it. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I think last time I was complaining about all the um, supposed journalists who just grab a list from some random long care company or, you know, or, you know, some, some non authoritative thing and, and create a whole piece around that. I say, like, well, let's see about what, 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 what chat GPT can do. So I've actually spent a little time playing around with chat GPT and saying, let's have it do some, some top 10 lists or some top 50 lists. And is it going to put me out of a job for instance? And uh, you know, how good of a job can it do compared to those poor people who are, I don't know how much money they're making very little money, you know, Googling and and copying and pasting uh you know their, their list together so right. yeah I, I did I did do a couple experiments if you like me to dig into those yeah please so I let you know how it went so I, I think even always mess around Chat GPT knows that if you just ask it a question like a very basic question it's not going to be you, you got to sort of groom it and prompt it to you know to what give you what you wanted I, I don't think I'm just speaking for what I perceive yep. to be my audience I don't think. 80% of my office has uh, uh, audience has any idea how to use chat jet GPT. I think they think you can go in, ask it a question, like a simple question. They don't understand the nuance of prompting and yep. uh, you interacting with it. So you know how to better. So it's a uh, garbage in garbage out, bad question in, and you're going to get a shitty answer back. However, if you say, I want you to act as a food journalist, Please generate a seven-paragraph uh, article talking about the difference between the Piedmont region and uh, the, the South Carolina mustard-based region. And uh, during this paper, make sure that you list these particular set of stats and also do this. And make sure that you fact-check yourself and list all uh, sources uh, or cite all sources that you you know uh, list while you make this. So you're writing a, a paragraph of instruction yep. for chat GPT. But now what you're going to get is going to be much more curated, much more fine tuned than just saying, uh, list off the difference. What's the difference between barbecue and grilling? Yeah. You know, you're going to get a pretty vague and, and crappy answer. If you do that, you get vague and, and they've sort of built into the models or whatever that if it's a simple prompt, it'll, it'll come back all kinds of qualifications yes. and everything. Right. So I, in fact, I typed in, um, you know, just, says I'm working on the top 50 you know, barbecue list. I just, you know, said, Act as Robert Moss. <laughs> yes, like, so I, I wanted him to do my homework for me because I would love to just dial yes, this, you course. know, own this one in literally. Uh, what are the top 10 barbecue restaurants in the South? Well, if you do that, uh, the first thing it says is, is a whole bunch of qualifications. Yeah, I'm an AI data model. I have access to real-time information. It gave me a list of here are, the po here are 50 popular in no particular order. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's caveating it all over the place. And if you look at the list, it's actually, you know, the top 50 list, I won't go through it, but it's actually a, you know, relatively good if boring list. In fact, it looks a lot like if you took my top 50 list of the South and the, and the South's best, which is our Southern Living's Reader's, poll and a couple of others and just sort of collated them, you pretty much get this list. There's nothing super surprising uh, on it. And again, in this case, it's just a list of names and, and cities because I just ask it for for a, a list. Um, so there's nothing there other than it's, it's almost like, you know, 
just crib from the other ones. Um, one thing I will know about ChatGPT is it, it doesn't have a, a, a great sense of geography. So I ask it for the top 50 uh, barbecue restaurants in the South, uh, included in there, Dinosaur Barbecue in Syracuse, New York, uh, Slow's Barbecue in Detroit, uh, Michigan, uh, which is no one's definition of the South as far as I'm aware. And uh, it did include 17th Street Barbecue in Murfreesboro, Illinois. So Amy Mills would be happy to be included in the South there. But there is one little gap on that one. I mean, in fairness, fairness, Southern Living Magazine does quantify Kentucky as being part of the South, which I completely disagree with. I will stand by that. I've, I've spent lots of time in Kentucky. It feels a lot more like Tennessee than Ohio to me. At least the parts I've been. I don't even know if Tennessee is really the South. I mean, to <laughs> yeah, me, the South, South is like uh, uh, Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia. But then we're working over west, so Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. But the farther north you get than that, I feel like that's diverging out of the South. Maybe that's more the Midwest. Yeah, you're up a little. No offense to anybody that's in there that's happy to be a southerner. By the way, I'm just giving you my thoughts. I agree with you, but but I think uh, I think Kentucky for me still feels so yeah pretty pretty darn southern. Um, But anyway, we're talking about the prompts, so uh, you know we got to do a little bit better than that. And plus, I need I need more than the list if I'm going to cheat and uh, use ChatGPT for my my next list. So what I ended up with as a prompt was you know can you create a list for me of the top of the uh, 10 best barbecue restaurants in the South with an ex- explanation of what makes each one so good. So oh. like you're saying, you've got to sort of give it a little, you know, a little criteria there. And so I ran it once and had to do a list and I said, great, now give me another list. And so it gave me 10 different ones. Mm. Uh, and, you know, so it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I, there was nobody on there. I, I don't think that you would, uh, you raise an eyebrow and say that's that's not that's a weird weird choice for a top ten list. Uh, it did pick again Seventeenth Street Barbecue uh, on the first list, and also Hometown Barbecue in in oh, Brooklyn, wow. uh, New York. However, what's curious is it knows apparently knows the algorithm knows that's not in the South, or maybe I should say the uh, the words that the articles it's cribbing from because this is all just text that it's it's merging together. It does note that while technically not in the South, hometown barbecue is a, <laughs> a, a, uh, a, a worthy competitor. Um, oddly enough, I did, uh, uh, well, you know, it's only as good as the data. Uh, one of the, one of the, no, pick is number seven, B's crackling barbecue yeah. in Savannah, which yeah. not coincidentally, maybe not coincidentally was on my list. Uh, it, it closed uh, a couple of years ago. So, but it's only as good as, as the data that it has. And it did also, it does mess up, you know, uh, mess up a few things. Uh, it did say that the Skylight Inn barbecue in Greenville, North Carolina is the sister restaurant to Skylight Inn in Aden, North Carolina. Oh. If you really know that that part of the, <laughs> that, that barbecue area, that's actually Sam Jones barbecue in Greenville or yep. slash Winterville. Close enough, though, so not too bad. It actually does a little bit better on accuracy than most of the interns who are writing the, the top 10 lists mm-hmm. Uh you know, sit at the desk. So, so as it goes, it's 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 not bad. In fact, I thought it would be a fun game to to play with with you and, and just sort of see. So, I think last time I was whining uh, about um, that barbecue list. It was you know put it circulated around and picked up by other humans, etc. Um, and so, I what I did was I took a my one of my top ten lists and that I asked ChatGPT to chat gpt to generate and then i took the uh other list one of the ones actually written by a clickbaity human and i have the two descriptions for the same restaurant so i wanted to see if you can tell which one of these 
sorry, entries sorry. is chat GBT, and which one of these is a human writing it? So. Oh, great. So we got a game for me. So, yeah, so I get to do it again. Are, are you ready? I am ready. Do you want me to introduce myself? All right. No, no I think we were good. Oh. Um, so let's start with a Big Bob Gibson Barbecue in Decatur, Alabama. All right. Good choice. It's on um, certainly on my top 50. I don't think it made it to my 10, but it, it's it's definitely on the, on the list. So which one of these is chat GPT? Which one is human? Number one. Big Bob, Big, Bob, Big Bob Gibson Barbecue is a legendary establishment known for its award-winning white sauce. Their smoked chicken and tender pulled pork are standouts, and the tangy mayonnaise-based white sauce adds a unique flavor profile that sets them apart. So that's entry one. All right. Entry two. In the heart of Decatur, Alabama, Big Bob Gibson Barbecue has been serving up award-winning barbecue since 1925. The secret to such a rich history of culinary excellence, it's all in the barbecue legend Big Bob Gibson's secret white sauce. One of those is human. One is Chet GPT. Okay. Read me the first four words of the first one. Big Bob Gibson Barbecue. I'm going to go with number two as being written by a human versus number one. Am I right? Number one is chat GBT. Number two is the human. You are correct. Thank God. Thank God. Well, I've done it. Enjoy one more if you want to double down. Yes, of course I want to double down. I've got a second one if you like. All right. Let's hear it. All right, because you got you yeah, more than one data point. So uh, Franklin Barbecue, Austin, Texas, right? The, yes. no, no surprise that that's on the list. All right, so here's uh, here's a description number one. Franklin Barbecue is a wide, is is widely regarded as one of the best barbecue joints in the country. They specialize in slow smoked Central Texas style barbecue using top quality meat and a blend of post oak wood for that authentic flavor. Mm. Number one. All right. Number two, when it comes to barbecue, oh. Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas is the Mecca. This nationally acclaimed establishment has garnished widespread recognition for its perfectly smoked meats, particularly the melt-in-your-mouth melt brisket. This one is a little harder. And I can tell you why I know I'm going to be right here in just a second. I'm locking in, again, number two, as the human version or the human write-up am i right number one is chat gpt number two is a human you're correct against all right well thank you and don't forget you can join us next month when robert and i play did chat gpt write that restaurant (laughs) write-up so what i think i noticed or how i was able to pick between chat gpt writing a review and a human writing a review easier in the first one and i asked yep. you to go back and read the first you know four words because it was almost like it was repeating the question that you had asked it and then listening to the second one that one was way more descriptive had a little bit more heart to it so that one was pretty easy. however franklin's was a little bit more difficult because right off the rip it was talking about uh, i believe it used wildly successful um so mm-hmm. you know that was kind of a bit of a throw off however the thing that put it over the top for me was in the second one uh the second one used the word mecca and i don't think chat gpt would use the word mecca so for me that was a delineator on saying if i'm going to be betting money i'm going to 
go with number two. But yeah. it seems the That's humans seem to be a That's... little bit more descript no matter what. Yeah, and I think I, I, I didn't really pick up on it until you said it, but I'm going back over like the, the little scripts here. And it actually begins, ChatGPT actually begins every single one of the entries with the name of the restaurant. So mm-hmm. you know, Skylight Inn is, you know, is the sister location. Central Barbecue is a <laughs> Memphis institution. So it's like, you know, needs to switch that up a little bit. And I think you're that's a good call on the Mecca because, you know, if what you think about what ChatGPT is doing, it's just taking like, all this corpus and sort of predicting what's the likely words to come next. Well, how often, you know, what's the percentage likelihood that Mecca is going to come next? If you look at chat GPTs, there is no word in there that is particularly unusual, mm. you know, or, 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 or you know, a legendary establishment known for its award-winning white sauce. I mean, it's, bleh, it's very, very right. plain. Very vanilla. So good, good, good call. Yeah. However, that being said, um, you know, it, delivers about as much value as your typical, you know, top bar- top 10 barbecue list from Lawn Starter or some other uh, outfit like that, which is also doing the same thing. They're just cribbing from, uh, you know, they're, they're cribbing manually from the internet instead of doing it with, you know, a lot of, you know, AI algorithms and a big grid of computers and bringing all the results back together. If you are interested in picking up another podcast to listen to, then head on over to the Charleston's menu at your favorite podcast app. You can listen to Robert Moss and Parker Milner talk about the restaurants down there and the the reviews, have some great interviews. And you're two two episodes in now, or do you have like more in the can than you're uh, three schedule? are in the can now? And, and we've got another coming out, coming out shortly. I wanted to wait to add a couple in the, in the bank, just so you don't have just a single one to listen to, yeah. but uh, all three of them, some really good interest uh, that they're out, have some really interesting and good interviews, particularly if you're in the, you know, more of my neck of the woods and in, in the Carolinas, it should be of, of interest to folks. And I would say number two is uh, all about barbecue. So even if you aren't, aren't interested in, in Charleston restaurants in general, I think there's a lot of good stuff in that, that second episode. So check, check that robertfmoss.com is his website you see him here on the second tuesday of every month robert appreciate the time we'll see you in august all right thanks greg talk, talk to you soon so you think you can fool me on the chat gpt restaurant reviews no sir not fooling me we thank robert moss for investing time in that game show letting me play it being the first contestant maybe that's something he's going to be installing in his brand new podcast you can only hope to find out by tuning in so we thank him for joining us as he does each and every month. RobertFMoss.com is his website. And if you're tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences, it's time to step it up. That's right. Step up that game and bring the ultimate flavor and the ultimate cooker to the backyard barbecue. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience that you can get in the market today using either hardwood charcoal or charcoal briquettes or wood. Their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can actually raise and lower the fire to control the temperature and fine-tune that heat. This is their take on the very popular Santa Maria style grill you might see floating around on the interwebs. Check them out online and see for yourself. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And that's Pits and Spits double T on the Pits double T on the Spits.com slash BBQ Central. Use promo code Charcoal Central at checkout 
You can get 150 bucks off any charcoal grill that they have available for sale. Check them out. See what it's all about. Appreciate the worksmanship and also realize that when you buy this one, it's going to last for your lifetime. It will also go through many other generations. I would assume grandkids and great grandkids will be lined up fighting over who's going to be putting it in their backyards next. That's pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And then as you get ready to check out with that brand new charcoal grill that you've purchased, use promo code Charcoal Central for $150 off any charcoal grill purchase. Okay. First pre-recorded all new content segments are down. Show's over. Hopefully you enjoyed Meatheads. Hopefully you enjoyed Robert Moss. AmazingRibs.com and RobertFMoss.com are the websites respectively. Next week, again, pre-recorded all new content. Jess Priles is coming in and Wes Wright from CookoutNews.com is coming in. So stay tuned for those. Once again, those will be released. No shot. No, no live show on the 18th, but you will have an hour one, probably West on the 19th, and then uh, probably Jess on the 20th. Those could reverse. Who knows? And then best of on Friday, of course. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. And until next Tuesday, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Hey, this is Helen Paradise from SoCal, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show.